Welcome to Farmers on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan. Uh, I am flying solo today. Uh, at the uh, the tech bug bit us again. We Roy and I uh, recorded last night the full episode, and um, we used his laptop. So uh, he listened to it after he was done, and by the time I got home, he had he had sent the episode, and it didn't work. Something that we did uh, wrong. We did wrong. It just sounded horrible. I sounded like um, I was on auto tone, and Roy sounded great. So we think that uh, like the the uh, computer mic was picking up Roy, which he was right in front of, and then I was off to the side, and it kind of sounded like auto tone. So you got me here today for episode forty eight, um, where I'm sitting here in front of the TV and draft day. It's uh, you know three twenty six. And, uh, you know, I wanted to wait until the draft. You know, we picked, what, sixth, I think, um, for the draft. Um, and then I also wanted to wait till you know, the uh, Sod Poodles game starts at 5 o'clock and watch Fernando Tatis Jr., who uh, starts his rehab tonight with Amarillo. And I can't do both. And I got to go to the game tonight. And uh, the wife's going to be home here pretty quick. So um, I just had to get this done and let the chips fall where they may. So uh, let's get started. Uh, batting leadoff, like I just said, Fernando Tatis starts uh, his uh, his his rehab assignment with uh, Amarillo, the Sod Poodles. You've seen uh, Sam Levitt tweet some uh, tweet some video of of uh, Tatis hitting, and then uh, some other tweets coming out from uh, from Twitter of Tatis hitting. God, I, I can't remember his name. I just saw him. Austin Bosfield or Austin Austin from uh, the EVT posted some really cool video of Tatis hitting. He looks healthy. The swing looks good. Uh, so that's starting off. Uh, Dinosaur Lamette also began his rehab start this year, um, this uh, week, with the Lake Elsinore Storm. Uh, you know, and here thing. Results aren't going to matter for for any of the rehab. Uh, it, what's real important as he, you know he's throwing. What's really important is Tatis is hitting, getting his timing back. So uh, Lamette allowed a run and two singles to begin the inning, and all went two and two thirds with three hits, three earned runs, a base on balls, five Ks, hitting upper nineties, and I think he hit ninety seven, ninety eight. So once again, the results with these guys, and we'll talk a little bit more later on with Miguel. Um, with Miguel Diaz, is that it doesn't matter really. Well, it kind of matters with the results, but what really matters is they just get the work in and they're getting healthy and that they're showing that they're healthy. Um, left-handed pitcher Will Heaton followed Dylan Lamette. His first post-surgery appearance also uh, went in one-third innings, two hits, two earned runs, a base on balls, and a K. Uh, you know, once again, results don't matter, but those guys, um, he, Will Heaton and Dylan Lamette are starting to throw again, and that's fantastic. Um, Dylan Sin wrote a an article on Xavier Edwards and Tucapito Marcano, and it's funny. It seems like almost every week we're talking about Tucapito, and certainly we're talking about Xavier Edwards. Um, those guys are wreaking havoc on the base paths. The pair of 19-year-olds have made opposing pitchers' lives miserable, usually hitting one or two in the batting order and getting on base at a 399 clip while combining for 50 runs scored. Edwards and Marcano's are on-base machines, Anthony Contreras said. They have speed. They could do it a lot of different things with the bat. They can swing if they need to, but they can also put it on the ground and run and use their legs. It just sets the tone for the rest of the lineup because hitting can be very, very contagious. The 2018 number 38 overall pick was leading the Midwest League, hitting 374. Now, remember, this is his first year in pro ball. 
nine, maybe 19 years old, more than likely 18, uh, hitting 374 and with an on-base percentage of 434. He had multiple hits five times on Fort Wayne's eight-game road trip, which ended Thursday. Xavier is close to 18 months younger than the average Midwest League player. I didn't really think number-wise, but what I was going to do, about what I was going to do, but I would be lying if I said I didn't intend on having a good year, Edward said of his performance this season. That's what all of us are trying to do, put our best foot forward and our best selves out there every day. That's why I trained so hard in the offseason, to have the year that I'm having. So I guess you reap what you sow, and damn if you don't. Um, he swings and misses at only 3% of the pitches he sees, the lowest rate in the league, and walks at a 10.1% clip. Uh, Marcano ranks fifth in the league in swinging strike rate and whiffs at just 5.1% of his pitches he sees. He has hit at a 366 clip since April 22nd. The Venezuelan contact skills rival Edwards, and he has ca- he's caused chaos with a unique type of play. So what he does is like a, it's like a half bunt, half swing from the left side of the plate in which he tries to push the ball past the pitcher but deaden it before it can reach the second baseman. They deserve Meccano a half dozen infield hits this season. So that's kind of crazy. The, that kind of, you know, I don't know if that's going to play as he gets up higher in the levels, but you know, certainly practicing an A ball and getting on to help his team win I, I think is a good thing. And it's just another skill, um, be it if that develops or um, they make him stop doing it. You know, almost like if he could turn that into a drag punt on sometimes. Um, we see he's been successful in the big league level. But we'll see how that goes. But I thought that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, let's move on and get going with the affiliate rundown. Uh, the single for El Paso, Wednesday was the team. Well, they didn't play on Wednesday. Uh, their equipment didn't show up from the uh, from the road trip that they took to Fresno. Uh, the gear didn't show up, so they couldn't play. You know, and that's kind of the, the foibles of minor league baseball is having, like, you know, with the double A and the single A teams, that all that gear is probably on one on the same bus, if not one right behind it. But when you're in triple A, you're flying. And when you fly, you fly with all the team's gear in one plane and apparently all the team's gear in the other. So they didn't play on Wednesday. So I thought, I thought I'd put that in kind of a quirky thing that happens in minor league baseball. Uh, the double, Francis Cordero started his rehab assignment. So it's, it's good to see all these guys getting back, uh, playing. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more down, the, uh, down in the affiliate rundown with what he's done this week. But he started his rehab on Friday, going one for five. And Jeff Sanders of the UT writes, he'll rejoin the Padres as quickly as his timing returns. When he does, it will be with a brace on his right elbow that has required season-ending surgery. After 40 games in 2018 and was sprained nine games into the 2019 campaign. Quote, that brace really secures his elbow and makes him feel good about it, Andy Green said. I think the at-bats look really good. He's got that same buggy whip he's always had. The ball is jumping off his bat. I think there's no concern about the elbow right now. Hopefully that brace ends any concerns about it in the future. So that's going to be kind of interesting to watch. You know, you see a lot of those players have the elbow guards for, you know, that sit up close to the plate and from getting hit by pitches. But him wearing this guard or this brace, uh, I haven't seen a picture of it. I don't know what it looks like if it's just like a, a strong wrap or if it's like one of those a bionic, you know, bands that you used to see like like Barry Bonds wear. Um but, you know, to see him go up on the plate and wear that, and I tell you, if, if it works and it makes him feel better and he doesn't have to worry so much, so be it, let him do it. 
But moving on, uh, the triple, Andres Munoz recorded four outs, two via strikeouts Friday night. Munoz's dominance has continued in the PCO, where the flamethrowing reliever had racked up eight strikeouts, allowing just two hits in five and a third innings, in five and a third scoreless innings. Um, Overall, Munoz has struck out 40 batters in 21 innings between Amarillo and El Paso in 2019. And I I just read today, today's... um, Affiliate roundup um, on Mad Friars. He did give up a solo home run, but uh, I guess gave him the save. So he, he gave up a solo home run, which put him in line for the save. So he got a save last night. Now today is what today's Monday, so that was Sunday. Uh, so the home run, and we're going to go back to what happened with God, dude. So they scored twenty four runs. This is Saturday night. The Chihuahuas scored 24 runs, collected 11 doubles, a triple, four homers. Among their 23 hits, they drew nine walks. El Paso went 13 for 24 with runners in scoring position and somehow still left 12 runners on base. Um, El Paso leaves the PCL with 391 runs and 121 homers in 2019. All right. Francisco Mejia, a single. Francisco, uh, Francie Cordero, pardon me, a triple. And Luis Urias, a triple shy of the cycle. So Mejia was a single, Cordero was a triple, and Luis Urias was a triple shy of the cycle. And Cordero had a grand slam. Now, the pitch that I saw, I saw the last inning or two of this, of this game uh, Saturday night, and... When I got there, it was already pretty disgusting. It was already like 19 uh, or 21 to uh, – they would scored that many runs. And there was a knuckleball pitcher, I think, pitching. And then I saw um, our center fielder, Michael Geddes, hit a 64-mile-an-hour fastball knuckleball over the batter's eye. And, you know, from what I looked, from what I saw, it didn't look like he hit all of it, but – the ball looked like it just it just kept going and kept going. And you can see the center fielder kind of just backing up, almost camping underneath it, camping underneath it, and the ball just kept going. So, folks, like El Paso is the moon. And all the PCL is the moon when it comes to the new ball and the way it's being, uh, the way it's being treated in the Pacific Coast League. It's just ridiculous. Um, once again, you know, with Franchi, it, it, the results are great. You love to see these guys hit. You love to see Mejia hit, and he obviously least Uyas hit. But for those guys, it's not the results that happen. It's the process that they're looking for. It's what the coaches are seeing in Luis Urias' approach, in the mechanics of his swing. You know, is Francis Cordero, is his timing back all the way? Is Mejia not swinging at, you know, the back foot slide of that? He'll just, he'll swing at anything close. So... You know, I love seeing, we all love seeing the numbers. We all love seeing the homers. But what really matters and what's really going to be the deciding factor is going to be, you know, how the coaches see the swings, how they're doing, you know, mechanically. And, uh, and that's really important. So moving on to Amarillo, the, uh, well, we, we know by now the single is Lick Margavich just came up to San Diego and he just pitched this last, uh, I think, a Saturday game uh, and has promoted J.C. Cosme to Amarillo. Cosme started the second game of the Storm doubleheader Thursday that I went to, um, but is working primarily as a multi-inning reliever. Cosme, 23, posted a 1.48 ERA in 17 games for the Storm. He will be Rule 5 eligible this winter. So he hits 94, good slider. Um, he got kind of knocked around a little bit in the game that I saw on Thursday. But, you know, at 23, they're going to have to make a decision. 
or put him into a trade or do something. But at the end of this year, there's going to be a lot of decisions being made with uh, who's Rule 5, who they're going to keep, who they're going to trade, uh, you know, how that's going to work and who they're going to try to just hope no one picks up. And going forward, you know, the double last Tuesday, Miguel Diaz surrendered two home runs in the second inning, but tied a season high with nine strikeouts, throwing out throwing five innings for just a second time all season, and the first time doing so allowing just two or fewer runs. The 24-year-old righty could make one final start at the beginning of this week, now it's Monday, before he needed to be activated for the disabled list. So it's real important, once again, that he's, he's getting the work in. He's, you know, there's some results, but he's getting the work in, getting stretched out. And I'm telling you, and you know this, guys, the bullpen needs help on the major league level so uh maybe he'll get up there and in the next week or so and and see if we can help the bullpen you know we get another one of those cool like two-seamer gifts like remember what was it 2017 he came up as a rule five was a rule five guy i think um and we stuffed him in the bullpen and then he had the one strikeout i think it was um against the Dodgers. just a, a, a just a freaking solid two-seamer that just darted and it was a called third strike and it ended up being a gift. Um, so that's Miguel Diaz. The triple, Saturday, Amarillo uh, won minor league free agent, so minor league free agent, second baseman, Yvonne Castillo. My my chef at work is named Yvonne, so anyone with I-V-A-N, Yvonne, is now Yvonne and not Ivan uh, Castillo. Paced the offense with a pair of doubles and a stolen base. He missed the first month of the season recuperating on the injured list before arriving in Amarillo May 3rd. In 25 games, Castillo was hitting 340, 372, 485 in that stretch. Despite a little slump, Miller, Owen Miller, has been terrific in Amarillo, hitting 305, 362, and 429. He has just three strikeouts and 42 plate appearances. Folks, he is, and I'll say this again, I'm going to say this every time we talk about Miller, a professional hitter in development. And what I mean by that is he is patient at the plate and he won't swing unless it's his pitch. You know, you see a lot of that with, um, you know, with Ty France coming up. And, you know, finally the results are kind of showing up for him a little bit. Uh, Ty, but you see him. He's comfortable. He's not swinging everything. He's waiting for his pitch. And, you know, the results are finally starting to show for him, which is, which is great. But, you know, I can't wait till. You know, Miller makes it up to the big league club, and he could be anywhere from a third baseman. You know, he's not projected to be a shortstop, but he can probably, you know, he was drafted as a shortstop. He has, um, he's, you know, he's not as athletic as, as a Fernando Tatis Jr. or Gabriel Arias, but he always just seems to be where the ball is when he's playing short. So I look to him to be like a super utility guy with a solid bat. So uh, moving on to the home run, Michelle Baez came for another multi-inning relief look. The big Cuban struggled a bit with location, but is showing velocity closer to his 2017 numbers that we saw last year. So all you guys know, in 2000, when he was with Fort Wayne, we were just mouth-watering fastball, dominating. Last year, injured his back. You know, his velocity was way down. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't made it to affiliate ball until just this last month, and now we're starting to see the Michelle Baez that that we're hoping to get, you know, and one of the things is 
if if they start him out as a reliever, if if this year he's just throwing a couple innings, it's just enough to get him going. It's just enough to get some numbers underneath him, to get some innings, and you know later on they can stretch him out into a to a starter's role uh, and see where he is as they evaluate him, as they see how well he's pitching, and as long as he stays healthy. Um, but it's really good to see him get back to the velocity, start throwing some innings, and and doing well. Um, moving on to Lake Elsinore. Excuse me, I had a little sip of water there. Tuesday, Luis Patino had his best start of the season. In the first striking out the side in order, he threw his fastball at 92 to 96 and stamped up a few sliders that generated some poor swings. He came out darting this fastball, store manager Tony Tarasco said. He had a great command. He had great command of his fastball. He threw a great changeup and he mixed in a good slider behind the changeup. I thought he was locked in from the get-go. So, you know, the beginning of the season, Patino walked a lot of guys. We saw the strikeouts, but the walks were there, and the command wasn't there. And they made some minor adjustments. You might have heard it on the past episodes that asking uh, Coach Tarasco, and you're going to hear it on the episode that I had with Pete Zamora, the pitching coach in Lake Elsinore, where they made some tweaks in his delivery, and it's really starting to show results. With, you know, with Mac just dominating high A ball, and he's going to be moving up. I, you know, I, I think really it's going to allow the, the Patino to shine um, and be the ace of that rotation as soon as Matt gets called up to Amarillo. And start to see that the, the Patino that we want to see, that we saw in Fort Wayne last year, just absolutely crush it. Um, so it's good to see him get back, starting to put some great starts together and do well. The double, Friday Aaron Lesher, Pitched six solid innings to earn the victory. The 23-year-old has been very good this season. In 10 outings, Leisher has allowed one earned run, one, excuse me, allowed one earned or less six times through one poor outing in Lancaster. One earned run, thank you very much. Uh, He had one bad run. I think his start in Lancaster gave up six runs, I think. Um, And you just, you kind of throw out the outlier and... That inflated his ERA at 3.35, but you throw that out, you know, and you drop it a point easy. Um, he's been overshadowed by Patino, by by Gore, but Aaron Lesh has been solid, solid, solid this year so far in uh, in Lake Elsinore. And at 23, you know, he would be he wouldn't be a a bad call to get up to Amarillo sometime this season as well. But for the triple, catcher Luis Camposano had a double and a single Friday. He has been the Storm's most productive position player this year and is an early candidate for Cal MVP. Woo! Hot take, Mad Friars. Uh, Camposano is carrying a 313, 398, 507 slash line. Okay, maybe not so hot. And he's been playing really good backstop as well. Camposano has struck out just three times in his last 36 appearances with all those coming from one game, and that was the game we were at on, th- I was at on Thursday, where uh, he K'd three times, and uh, he wasn't having it since his uh, kind of a little bit of a tear since us last Thursday. But let's, uh, let's get you out of here. It's a quick uh, it's me here today, so we're on to Fort Wayne. The single, the friend of the podcast, Gabe Moser, became the first tin cap to reach 50 strikeouts. Then left-handed pitcher, the friend of the podcast, Joey Cantillo, reached 52 Wednesday, in 38 innings, he has a 12.32 K-9, second in the Midwest League. Joey has made five straight starts of at least five innings, allowing one runner less and striking out at least five. Uh, 
It's the podcast mojo that does well, you know, and you're going to hear this in the, uh, you hear this in the, in the interview with, uh, with Pete Zamora. We love seeing, we love seeing these guys perform well. We love seeing results. Um, and there's a proving ground of what they have. Moving it up to high A where the, where the pitchers aren't, you know, I don't think Gabe and Joey, they're not 96, 90. They're not hard throwers. So they are, they're mixing in the, you know, low 90s fastball with good off-speed stuff and, and curveball. So a good mix of pitches for those guys that I think are really getting all the strikes and, you know, the swing and misses. Um and we're going to see how that goes as the season progresses, as guys move out of Lake Elsinore. We'll see if Gabe and Joey Cantillo can, uh, Cantillo can make it up to Lake Elsinore, and that'd be great because I'd love to see those guys. We talked to them before the season started, and it was, uh, it was really good talking about those guys. Uh, anyways, the double. Okay, Ryan Weathers is not the Ryan Weathers that we know. His last start had the trainers go out and check in on him. And Saturday, his velocity was down significantly. Normally, he's in the mid to upper 90s. Uh, this last start, he was hitting mid-80s. He hardly hit 90-91. He gave up a homer, a homer. He gave up a homer and allowed three earned runs. And there's got to be some, you know, uh, there's got to be some injury concerns there. But Dillinson tweeted uh, yesterday, he asked Anthony Contreras on Ryan Weathers. He's fine. That's all I'm going to say. He's fine. I'm not going to speculate here, but that doesn't sound like he's fine. Um, you know, it sounds like there, there must be some kind of concerns, but they're just going to continue to monitor him and be okay. You know, once again, this is a young kid that is throwing for the first time in pro ball, and it doesn't matter that his dad, you know, the pedigree from his dad, um, he still has to pitch. He still has to, you know, perform, and you can do as best you can with that arm. Uh, but once you start throwing a pro ball, the bullpens, all the side work and all that stuff, you're going to have these little bumps in the roads. And hopefully it's just that. Hopefully it's just a little bit of an extended dead arm and that his arm is just getting used to throwing so much that it might be a little bit tired. But Friday to uh, to round out Fort Wayne, the triple for Friday, right fielder Dewanye William Sutton had a big night with a three-run home run, four RBIs on a two-for-four night. William Sutton has been fighting a slump but stressed the importance of staying in his routine for his pregame work. In college, you can play a weekend series, then Monday and Tuesday work on your swing with the coaches. Here, you have to be mentally tough and work on your stuff before the game, which is why having a routine is really important. You're going to have bad days at the plate, and if you get down on yourself, it's only going to hinder you. I try to keep a level mind, and hopefully everything works out in the end. And that's the important thing is is having that mindset. You know, uh, the Padres have, and I'm going to try to find them because we talked a little bit about it with um with one of the players in I think Blake Hunt when we talked to Blake Hunt he uh, Blake Hunt sorry he um he talked about we had they have a mental coach in the organization who goes around I believe uh, through the minor leagues and talk to guys about the mental approach if you want to call him a sports psychologist or whatever that that uh, that's what he is but he, he uh he worked with Blake Hunt over the uh, in the off season by just you know staying positive and there's so much failure you guys you know in minor league baseball where it's easy to get down I mean hell I have a bad week in my rec league and I'm going to work the next day going you're fired you're fired you're fired just to make myself feel better uh, I don't really fire people but you know in my head I'm like you're fired you're fired uh, I feel better imagine day in day out you know you're going two for twenty five and 
you know, you're in Fort Wayne, you're just starting out, and you're like, do I have it? And those doubts creep in, and to a professional player, those doubts are poison. And having that routine, doing the stuff you do every day, and being able to, you know, talk to the coaches on a daily basis, because you can, you can go over four, and you talk to the coach, and the coach is like, yeah, you're, you're fine. You know, you went over four. Um, or, you know, you, hey, you went over four, and hey, you know what I saw? Well, you know what I've been seeing you doing? You're doing this, A. You're doing this, B. Where you have that coaching automatically, they can see the changes that you've made or any kind of adjustments that need to be made uh, to get you back on track. And, you know, that's the whole thing about minor league baseball. It is the development. You know, if um, you're going to hear a little bit about a little bit of that with Pete. Uh, you know, we talked really about Luis Patino and, um, and Michel Baez down in Fort Wayne. And, you know, they dominated 2017. I mean, absolutely crushed it. And I don't know about you guys, but I was like, all right, next year they're going to make the rotation. They're going to be great. Uh, you know, and, and in my interview with Pete, he's like, I told him the same thing. He's like, no, no, you got to pump the brakes. You know, they're getting a lot of, you know, a lot of the younger batters, obviously, the lesser developed players in A are going to chase those pitches. You know, when you get up to advanced A, when you get up to double A, certainly you're going to get more advanced hitters that have a plan that are sticking to that plan. And they're not going to chase the outside slider. They're not going to chase the high fastball, you know, and uh, you're going to have to pitch better. Because you're going to have better competition. And better competition makes better players. So in all that, with the failure, you know, with um, with what Luis Patino has been doing the beginning of the season with the walks, all this failure, the you know, the the rough, some of the rough starts that Cal Quantrill has had in AAA, um, it's all development. It's all stuff that makes you a better player. It gets you, it trains you that, like, it's a part of the game. It's going to happen don't let it, it could ruin the day, but it don't let it ruin your mindset. Don't let it ruin what you're doing because what you're doing will eventually work. And, you know, that's what the coaches are for. That's what the mental coaches are for. And you just got to stick with it. So that's about it for, uh, for the episode. Real quick, guys, I really want to say thanks again so much for everyone that's purchased the shirts, the, uh, the Gore Dominate today. I think I'm going to wear that tonight at the game. Um, and the Luis Patino, who I ordered, which probably won't be here till like mid-June. You know, T-Chip takes so long for the shirts to show up. Um, with, with the Luis Patino, if you go to uh, the Friars on the Farm profile on Twitter, you can check out that. You can click on that. And I'm gonna after I'm done here right now, I'm going to retweet the, um, the, the Dominate Today and Luis Patino uh, shirt. So you guys can go on there, buy them. All the money has gone to Lake Elsinore Storm. We have we have made in profit uh, just over three hundred dollars, and every red cent of that, and probably some more of my own money, because I've purchased hell, I purchased four shirts already uh, for a total of what sixty, seventy, like one hundred and twenty, hundred and forty bucks uh, of my own money for this campaign. And, you know, it's just all going to be money going to Lake Elsinore Storm. And you guys know, we've talked about it here, how much it matters to those guys, the, what the Booster Club does, what the host families do, uh, what the, you know, they pass the bucket. Uh, every time you get a home run, they pass the bucket around the stands in all the minor league. Well, at least at, at, at Fort Wayne, uh, sorry, at, at uh, Lake Elsinore, they pass the bucket, pass the bucket. Excuse me. And if you strike up the side, they also pass the bucket. And 
if the money, talking to the Lake Elsinore Booster Club, if the money doesn't go over $100, they have to take money out of the general fund to make it $100. So at least the player is going to get 100 bucks for either a home run or striking at the side. And that goes a long way, you know. And Lake Elsinore, it's not cheap to live. Even if you are living rent-free, these guys are not making a lot of money. There are dues to be paid. Um, you know, I was talking to one of the host families here this last Thursday when I was up there, and it cost Terrence, the, the clubhouse manager, has 250 bucks to feed a team for a three-game series. For any out-of-town series, he has 250 bucks to do it. And that's not a lot of money when you're talking about pro athletes, you know, that, you know, and then most of them are teenagers or, you know, in their early 20s would, you know, even not being pro athletes are eating a ton of food. Um, he's been able to like swing some deals with some local restaurants where he maybe gets a little bit of a better deal on, on food, but you know, 250 bucks for, for, for a minor league team isn't a lot of money. So if you guys, I thank you for the ones that have purchased the shirts. For those that are thinking about it or want to buy it, you know, uh, you can certainly buy the shirts. But, you know, a lot of times on uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, the Lake Elsinore Booster Club will post when someone hits a home run or when someone hits uh, when someone strikes out the side, they'll put it on Instagram. You know, Ronald Bellano struck out the side. Not here. Donate here. And they will give you the link to where you can donate to three, four, five bucks. It really does make a difference, you guys. And once again, I, I can't say it enough. Thank you guys so much. And thank you guys so for listening um, to me drone on on this episode, this solo episode. You can reach me on Twitter at um, SD Donovan. And uh, the draft is getting ready to start. It is 3.54. We'll talk about who we picked and what we picked uh, on the next episode. Go Padres. Go Padres.